0: Welcome to Bridging the Potential, intergenerational conversations that change the world. This is Naveen, founding member of Living the Potential Network's Youth Advisory Council, with a question for you What happens when you bridge the experience, education, and expertise of an elder with the curiosity, energy, and innate wisdom of a youth? It's simple everyone grows and the world changes for the better. One conversation, one connection, one collaboration at a time. Today's podcast is no different. Renee Beth connected me with Amanda Johnson, who is a personal brand strategist and founder of True to Intention. I think you'll enjoy our conversation about uncovering your message. My favorite part of this podcast was when Amanda shared her journey on how she became an Amazon bestseller in less than two months.
1: today, I'm really excited to introduce you to two amazing people. One is Amanda Johnson, who calls herself the smart mouth seeker. She's an unapologetic story junkie and a mindful, messy messenger. It's a lot to say that she's an amazing writer who helps people who she calls messengers stay true on the page and the stage. She works them to help them craft their message, their expertise and stories for maximum impact on their audience, their brand and their bottom line. But more importantly, we get to witness their message and change their life. First, it happens from the inside out. I love that part. Our other guest that Amanda will be interacting with today is Naveen Bamakanti. Naveen is from Atlanta. He's a recent graduate in business from Georgia State University. He's 23 years old, but I call him an old soul because at an early age, he discovered uh, a mission, a calling that took him to actually deepen his understanding of his spiritual journey and ancestry. He is the first Um, He's from India, his family's from India, and he is the first born in the United States in his family. So I want to welcome both of you, Amanda Johnson and Aveen Bamakanti. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Great to be here.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's get started with you, Amanda. Um, You've been an amazing uh, facilitator and coach in my world, helping me birth my book, Living the Potential, engaging the wisdom of our youth to save the world. And um, I learned about you because of your son, Aaron Johnson, um, who by the way, is uh, a co-founder of our youth advisory network here at Living the Potential. So Amanda, um, how did you get started on your ideas to listen to your youth, your son, to support you in your own story that was unfolding?
2: Well, when he arrived, um, he arrived in during a time where I was in a lot of trouble. (laughs) You know, one of my, one of my old mentors says the best the it's like, God decides that you know, the best time to give you a child is the worst possible time you could think of. And I <laughs> it's kind of I laughed because that's exactly what it seemed like when I found out I was pregnant with him. But when I held him for the first time, I realized that we were gonna go on a journey together because I did not have any answers at that time. I didn't you know my my spirituality and my religion um my religious foundation had completely crumbled. And I was slowly rebuilding it, but nowhere near a place where I felt um, like I could, you know, raise a son in, inside of uh, a religious understanding the way that I was raised. And, you know, I knew that I was in trouble emotionally and physically because my body was telling me, um, communication was really hard. Relationships had been burned to the ground during my, um, my spiritual crisis. And so I just was looking at this kid going, you know, we're going to have to figure this out together because (laughs) I don't have your answers. And hopefully you have some of them. Maybe you can teach me how to be um, a better human. And so he did that. That has been our relationship for the last 17 and a half years.
1: That's quite amazing because you saw, um, I think you referred to, you see the magic egg, (laughs) of divinity um, within each person that you work with, but it started with recognizing it within your son. Um, Your son showed you this magic egg of divinity. Could you talk a little
2: bit more about that? Absolutely. When he was, I want to say two or three real small, um, you know, we, we were in a lot of trouble financially, and I'm not even sure how I paid for this thing, but I found this little, butterfly bungalow at a TJ Maxx or something and it was it's this little netted um, bungalow that you can get and then you order butterfly larva and so they send you this little container with larva in it which I presented to him as look Aaron it's your magic it's it's our magic eggs we're gonna see what happens to this and so we watched them over the course of a few weeks um, very, very carefully because little two-year-olds are very focused on what is happening. And so I, we got to watch the whole thing. We got to see the larva turn into caterpillars and just eat like crazy mad creatures and grow and then shed. And then I actually got to witness them flip upside down without any sort of resistance. And that was kind of a big aha for me of like, oh, they have this natural thing that's built into them that they do so easily. And when I'm feeling like I'm going to go upside down, right, and change my perspective, I have this huge resistance that happens. So, um, but, but the real, the main thing that happened um, throughout the course of this was at some point you have to, once they hang from the cheesecloth at the top of the container, you have to remove that and put it inside the bungalow. Well, try doing that with a jumping two-year-old around you who's super excited. (laughs) I was terrified that I was gonna drop these things on the ground. And so I, you know, I had to like get eye level with him and say, buddy, we have to be super careful. Like you can't knock these out of mommy's hand because if they fall on the ground, I'm not sure they're gonna be able to turn into butterflies. Like there's a process that has to happen. And so he was like, okay, so he sat down let me do the whole thing. And then he turned into the little guard that walked around this bungalow. It was like three feet by three feet. And he would just be this little sentinel, like no one's going to disturb his cocoons. You know, he watched them very carefully, be really careful looking at them every day. And then one day I heard him yelling at my grandma who we were living with at the time. And he was like, grandma, don't get too close. Don't get too, you know, and then she hit, she hit it because she was trying to see the cocoons and where they were at. Tough, you know, terrible vision at the time, got too close, knocked one of them on the ground. And that blood curdling scream that I heard from the other room just tore through me. And I realized like that was what I was trying to prevent for him. Um, I realized that that was like my parental philosophy was being shown to me through this natural process in nature of like, because I didn't see him come in as something that I needed to mold and shape, but as a being who had potential, who I was here to protect until he could steward it himself. And, um, and so that was my biggest fear, you know, that I was going to accidentally knock that cocoon off and and disrupt his natural process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So nature.
1: that that became that incident of being present to your son and the unfolding nature of who he was becoming, like moving from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It began a framework for how you help writers bring forward their message. Could you yes. just speak a little bit about that because it's a natural unfolding process? And yeah. The matrix, it, the butterfly
2: matrix. Yeah, it's it's pretty um, I mean, it was such a huge awareness for me that I realized, you know, there were a few other things that were happening as synchronicity does to kind of help me congeal this way of thinking, this philosophy. I'd been a teacher, I'd learned a whole bunch of child development. Um, I had been trained in like the power of the conscious and the subconscious mind. So there were a lot of things that were starting to come together that I was using in my parenting process with him to try to preserve his potential and not let it get damaged. And so um, what happened was that it, I started to realize that there were these certain cycles of growth for him. And then I started to realize that they were the certain cycles of growth for me. So we had a child development expert who warned me, you know, um, there's this thing that happens when you ask, you know, as kids are learning, they'll, you know, take a step and then another step and then another step. And they look like they're just about ready to walk. And then the next day they look like they can barely crawl. Like something happens or some sort of regression. They'll string a bunch of words together and you're like, yay, they're talking. And then the next day they can't even say two words. And she explained to me that this is part of what happens in like, there's this big leap forward in one dimension and then the other dimensions of us have to catch up. And that awareness coupled with what I saw with the upside down of the of the caterpillar was a, a new way of me interacting with other people because I realized that that's when we do the most damage to ourselves and to each other is when we are in that place of just falling into a new paradigm, right? And what we need is what the caterpillar needs. We need some sort of cocoon structure, a lot of safety to um, try to go through that process of letting go of the identities that we thought were us, so that the, the part of us that really wants to emerge can. And so all of this was kind of just being worked out in my parenting as I was trying to heal my body and my mind. And then in, um, 2007, the year that the uh, law of attraction, the, what was it? The secret broke loose. You know, um, I was editing for a bunch of uh, people in my space, um, a bunch of entrepreneurs and helping them and helping them get their messages out just as an editor. And, (laughs) One of them asked me, one of my mentors asked me um, one day, what value do you have to give to the world yourself? Like, when are you going to write your book? And I was like, "I'm," you know, if she could see the inside of my life right then I looked like a high performer. I looked like, you know, I had it all together and things were great. And on the inside, I was falling apart and so was my life and nobody knew. And so what happened was I just had this moment where I was like, I don't know what value I have to give to the world. I was disconnected from my own magic ache. And so, you know, I cried all the way home, but about halfway, I, I had been asking myself this question, what value do I have to give? And I realized that the one thing that I really thought that I was Starting to figure out was this parenting thing like parenting with powerful messages instead of you know doing all of these little things that we do, these maladaptive behaviors and scripts that we pick up from our parents and from the culture around us. Like, I was so mindful of what I said to my kid, and in fact, I remembered this one moment where um, we were you know I was driving on the way home, but I remember this moment when he was real little. And he accidentally broke a mirror in my grandma's bathroom and she started screaming at him and called him a bad boy. And I was in the kitchen and I heard this happening and I started to run down the hall and I don't, I'm not sure what I was about to do with her, but there was one thing that I had told everyone in my life, never, ever call him bad ever. Like you can say that he made a bad choice, but never that he's a bad person because that little hiccup in my messaging when I was little had gotten me into a lot of trouble. So I was trying to undo that for him. So I I got to the end of the hall and I saw him with his hands on his hips, looking up at my grandma and he's like, I'm not bad. I just made a bad choice and I'm sorry. And I was like, my work is done. Fantastic. (laughs) You know, generational mess broken right there. And so Um, as I was driving home that day, after my mentor asked me the question, I realized that that was something that I had to give to the world. And as soon as I thought about it, it kind of turned into this whole vision of what was possible. Like I saw books on bestseller lists. I saw working with people in the secret. I saw like this huge vision that I never would have imagined. I swear it was like stepping into an alternate universe. I met one of the teachers a few months later inside of a, um, a sizzler of all places after a series of synchronicities crossed our paths. And, you know, um, at some point I just realized like, this is the thing that I needed. I needed to get reconnected to my magic egg. I needed to take inspired action. I needed to relax into the upside down every time I realized like, oh, here's an old story about why I can't do what I want to do. And I needed to figure out how to create that safety for myself. So it turned into this butterfly framework that now is kind of like the, the grounding philosophy for all of the work that I do with messengers and heroes. It's beautiful. Yeah, because it's like
1: my favorite saying is, how do we bring the true real us? Who do we, how do we bring who we are to what we do mm-hmm. in a way that helps us bring our message forward? That's very powerful. Um, I can attest to the fact that I've been through your process and it really allowed me to um, let go of some patterns that had been interrupting the message that was trying to come through me. And those are old patterns that I needed to break. And by remembering what nature has to teach us, especially, specifically the butterfly, uh, the caterpillar to butterfly journey is always reinforcing. Like, why am I being so hard in myself? You know, I'm in a, I'm in a cocoon right now. <laughs> um, but you know, you create, you know, in, your, in your way in which you work with writers um, and leaders, it's like, it's like, I think everybody has a story to, that's in them to bring forward, everyone does. It's like, but most people don't see themselves as a messenger. You've coined yourself as a messenger. And I think this is gonna relate to um, Naveen's story in just a minute. So could you share a little bit about what does it mean to be a messenger Um, And there's something about when you took me through the wing training, you know, Mm -hmm. we I went through the process of being in the cocoon, I went through the caterpillar craze, I went through the upside down resistance, I found safety in the community, and then I needed the wing training to actually bring forward my message. So Mm -hmm. how do you help people do that? I think that's going to be important for Naveen to hear and then we'll hear a story.
2: Yeah, yeah. The last three steps of the process are wing training, trusting the wind, and, um, and rabble impact. And so wing training is really all about, like, this is what normally happens after people get to the end of a project, and it's time to start putting that out there, some sort of prototype, like, here's the manuscript, will you give me feedback? Here's the course, you know, let's pilot it and get feedback from people and see how it is. And that process of putting it out there and getting feedback is like the flapping of a wing, right? It's like strengthening, but it's so damn scary because oftentimes we are sharing a big message that, or a a big story that we haven't told before, or we're, owning the fact that we know a lot of stuff because we've been through a lot of stuff and yet we don't have the right degree on the wall or enough books read to prove that we are some sort of expert. Like we come up against all of these ideas about what it should look like and how we don't fit into that. And the only way to really build our own confidence and belief in our story, in the sacred code that's there and in the work that we believe we're meant to do is to get out there and start refining it with the feedback. The trusting the wind part is, you know, um, kind of like when you get that big opportunity that shows up and you realize, like, it's kind of like time to jump, you know, one of the things that I noticed with the butterflies was that they sat on the leaf until the wind picked up. They they wanted that breeze for their first flight, and so that's one of the things that I'm always looking at with messengers is like where's the breeze flowing right? Like, are we jumping on the signature talk breeze? Are we jumping on the book breeze? Are we like, what is the thing that um, we're ready to ride? It's it's there to to help carry us. And then of course, rabble impact is impacting the world together with the other messengers, um, which is you know also just so much fun.
1: Right, exactly. So building community together is quite amazing.
2: Well, I think that's plenty uh, to bridge
1: <laughs> bridge over to Naveen and to uh, have Naveen tell us a little bit about his story because as a young boy around six, seven or eight, he was inspired. Um, so, and then, you know, it's brought forward a project that he's working on today. So Naveen, take us through uh, what you discovered as a young man, a little boy. You know, what did you discover for yourself and how is that manifesting in your life right now?
0: Thank you, Renee. Um, yeah, well, as you said, really from about the age of um, six or seven, probably uh, right after kindergarten, um, I started discovering that I, I had a very, very deep interest in spirituality and you know, the meaning to life, um, and, and, and a deep interest, um, in religion as well, but it was very strange because, I mean, my parents were happy and, but, okay, well, we, we never taught him this, um, I mean, like it's it's not like an environmental thing, you know. Where where's he? Where's his interest sparking? And it was um I mean, and we we went with it. We were old with it. Um, we could, I mean, they continued to support me. I would kind of learn things on my own. Um, but it was uh, it was strange because. Um, it, it just, it just sparked nothing There's there no event um, or like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any formal, like, okay, I'm learning this. And because I learned, like I took a course, I was interested in none of that. I was just naturally interested.
1: Because um, you were like six years old or seven, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was a very young age. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was, I never knew where it came from. Just always, um, just always liked it, like that stuff.
1: So when you say uh, that stuff, I like that stuff. You were naturally curious. It was about Hinduism, right? Is that- yeah, yeah. So, um, and that was uh, part of, you know, you're living in the United States. You're the first one in your family born in the United States. You know, mm-hmm. most of your family was born in India. And you have this interesting curiosity at an early age, and you can't figure out where it came from. But what did you, what, how did you pursue it? I, I think you mentioned that you were playing uh, with other kids. I mean, other kids were up to other things and you would do those things with your friends. But then you always look forward to the time where you were exploring further something that you really weren't able to talk about with other people. Could you tell us more about that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, like you said, I mean, I, I had a good group of friends growing up. And we'd always, you know, do the typical kid stuff, you know, hang out and whatnot. But it was just that other one part of me, that that spiritual part of me, um, I could not relate that to anyone else. And I did look forward. I did do a lot of, you know, my own research. Um, I, I'd get on the computer and start looking up stuff, but I just couldn't share it with anybody um, just because... I couldn't relate it to anybody. And especially at that age.
1: Right. Exactly. But your parents were really supportive, um, in creating this space for you to pursue your questions. And, um, so that's gone on, let's see, you're 23 years old now.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: <laughs> been going on for about 17 years, your early interest <laughs> on it. So what's happened over the years with your interests and where has it taken you to where you are now?
0: sure um so over the years um i started you know learning more and more about this while uh you know while school was going on you know in my free time i would um i'd research more in hinduism research more in the um spirituality aspect of it um you know how how it relates to us there's a, there's a lot of stuff that we think okay like oh you know back in the olden days they did this but um i know there's always a meaning to it or always something like a significant um, reason for having that, so I always wanted to figure out, okay, how's it related to us or relevant to us today? Um, so as my research journey um, kept moving forward, um, later on in high school, I I started researching further when somebody mentioned that, well, hey, Nadine, you have a uh, you have quite a bit of um, interest in the subject. Um, I think it's time for you to maybe do some formal uh, a little bit of, of formal training and um, go get you know certified or, or do something with this so I did um, I was actually I, I studied a little bit further and I even took a certification course or not a certification course sorry um, I, I started studying with different people so that I could be um, certified to the level um, in you know different subjects within Hinduism, and after that, in high school, um, my mother she started um, she said she inspired me to kind of you know make a family tree of the different types of um, or different sides of my family as a gift for my grandfather. I was interested in so i I started working on it and um with my grandfather and he had a lot of information and he and as he was leaving before he went back to his um to, to his house in kansas he told me that some of our ancestors were actually um very highly recognized into scholars and that's all he knew he didn't know many other details besides that but i was I was blown away uh I had no idea that you know that existed and and this was this is my senior year of high school so um all the all this time I've been interested in this subject um in this space but never knew that it was in my family before
1: right and then how old were you when you actually took a trip to India um you visited there um as part of you know getting connected with family, but also as part of your research. What, tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I, it wasn't too long ago. It was um, my sophomore year of college, about three, three and a half years ago, when I went to India, um, I I went there, and it was just a regular family visit, and then some people did know about those scholars within our family. Um, they had a little bit of more information on them, not a whole lot, but that led me to start thinking, okay, there is more info on these people. It's not just some, you know, tale that's passed down to the family. Let me try to go find and dig some information on where, where they're from. So about a year ago, last December, My mother and I went to India um, just for a normal visit. And while we were there, we happened to be in a town near the village where these, my ancestors, who are the Hindu scholars, where they were from. She actually encouraged, she said, okay, why don't we go and check that village out? Maybe we can find some clues or or somebody might know something about them. I didn't really think it was going to be all all that because I said okay like we're gonna to go to a village and and we're gonna do what like we're, we're who are we gonna ask where are we gonna go what are we gonna find I, I didn't think it was practical but she's like no I think you can do it you've been working so hard on trying to find them you've been doing a lot of research asking family it's worth it so uh she just said okay I'm not gonna to listen to you like all right she's she said okay she she had our driver stop by there and we went there and it turns out one of the people actually had a, a book of a lot of old contacts. And in that was some very distant relatives of mine. And I, I was able, they gave that to me. I called them, started discovering or started, you know, finding out large, uh, portions of the family that i was just never exposed to because well my grandfather and my father came here such a long time ago after being born in india in the united states and i was born and brought up here so never really exposed to that side of the family and they they were able to share a lot of history with me about um about those scholars and and uh, our ancestry
1: so you know gathering all this knowledge i think you're you're your inspiration was to provide a gift for your grandfather originally. Isn't that right? I mean, this yes. work, this research, um, you're... and how old is your grandfather now?
0: He is 85,
1: 85. And, and you're going to reveal some things to him through your research that may be new to him that he doesn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying about the wisdom of youth, you know, the wisdom of youth and this intergenerational conversation. But through the process, Naveen, of being curious from the age of six or seven and being on this project and then meeting Amanda and hearing what she has to say about being a messenger, um, what shows up for you related to this and what questions? would you might have for amanda related to your journey is there something that's top of mind about this project that started off for grandfather mm-hmm. and what's showing up for you now as you start to realize there's more there's more what is it what's showing yeah, up for you? Mm-hmm.
0: so whatever whenever it comes to these you know small projects of mine um i always try to think you know, how, how can it help others? Or what, you know, how, how is it relevant? Um, just, you know, besides just for me or my family. And I did, um, and the gift from my grandfather, as you mentioned, Renee, um, that it's uh, everything that I found out by talking to different people and, and discovering, you know, different uh, parts of the I think it's ancestral history. I have that all in a book and I, I documented everything and I'm going to give it to him as a gift. Um, but how, how can I make that relevant to others? How can that help others? Um, besides the information that that's what I'm curious on and I uh, wanted to talk to you about Amanda.
2: Awesome. Well, my, one of the questions that came up for me was, you know, uh, because I'm always interested. One of the reasons why I love um, watching Aaron's journey and witnessing other youth who were parented in a similar way, you know, is like, um, I, I witness less resistance in the upside down, right? Like those of us adults who are raised differently, like we, we hit that upside down and we're facing old stories of shaming and who are you to think you could do that? And just like, you know, the pile of stories that we have to get through and dissolve in order to let who we really are emerge. And Mm -hmm. so for you, I wonder about your upside down in the process. Were there times, I mean, that's a long journey from seven to 23. Have there been times where you've lost interest or doubted that this was your path or had any of those thoughts?
0: Um, definitely several. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, there, there's been plenty of times where uh, I was told, okay, well, um, you know, you're, you're a young kid, you know, what do you know? Or, or, or if I, if I found out something new, uh, then, you know, how, how, how do you know more than me? Um, or, or how, how do you know this information? Or well, Why are you doing this? There's been a lot of um, resistance by, I guess, people older than me, just because of my age and and my interest, because I was so young. Nice.
2: So it, more external resistance though than internal.
0: Yes, yes. And, and internally, I guess you know, due to that, I question myself sometimes. You know, should I be pursuing what I'm doing? Should I lay low? I just wasn't sure. I had a lot of internal conflict because of that as well.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's amazing. And then how did you, how did you work through that process of the external resistance and internal? I'm sure that your mom was there, but what what did that kind of look like?
0: Well, I always had her support as well, but um, at the end of the day, I realized that this, passion of mine and this drive of mine for not just this but anything i'm interested in is just too strong um i maybe for for a little bit even if i did lay low and but my passion my drive is just way too strong for me to stop or just sit there eventually naturally i I do pick up and and because i have such a strong uh, drive um i do tell myself you know don't let anything stop you it just makes you stronger if anything so if I you know keep telling myself that then um that's my motivation to keep going
2: I love that so you know um as are the questions that you have about how can this help others and how can you make it relevant so my understanding is that the book that you've written is very it's I I imagine and maybe I'm wrong but it's very textbooky like these are the the histories you know of these ancestors and what they did and that that family tree exactly yeah. yeah
0: very yeah like okay you know they studied here and they did this and yep
2: and do you have any anything in there about your experience of discovering all of this process and how that discovery impacted you
0: Actually, not not as much.
2: Okay. So you, you approached it more as a historian, like a scholar reporting? Yes. Okay. And so looking at this journey that you've been on, do you see, like, if there was one thing that you could tell other people your age based on your experience with having this inspiration when you were little and walking it through all the way to documenting your history Mm -hmm. what what would be that one thing that you would want to share with other young people
0: I would say never give up whatever you're interested in um whatever it may be you're always going to be able to the, the further you go the the you know, the bigger, you're, the more you're going to discover. And, um, and because of that, I would say never give up.
2: Awesome. So when you think about the people that that could help, I'm thinking, you know, here, Renee Beth is probably thinking this too, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but there are a lot of your elders 40s 50s 60s 70s like we're doing legacy projects where we're going through the same type of experience that you've already been through at 23 like where did I come from and how did this you know idea of being inspired when I was little like how does that connect to my deepest roots that I could find of other scholars what does that mean in the in the framework of what I believe about in my religion, about the world around me, about the process of finding it. And so, you know, I'm thinking, I know dozens of hundreds of people who would benefit from watching this journey unfold. So what are some of those, um, what are some, who are some of the people that you feel when you look out at the world that you think, man, I could really help those people with just a simple message or if they only knew this, who, who are those people that really tug on your heart when you look out at the world?
0: I would say anybody that, I guess that has a dream that keeps coming, uh, that obstacles keep coming in the way for them. Some people take it as a sign I think, and I've seen this before, some people take this as a sign saying, okay, this just means that I shouldn't do it. But in my experience, I think the more obstacles that came towards me in my entire journey, the further it made me want to go. So, um, and because of what I was able to discover after the fact, I would want them to know my story so that they realize there's more on the other side that they can keep going and just don't give up just because of obstacles or, or setbacks.
2: And do you have, so, so looking at that and just kind of like leaving that for a minute and thinking Mm -hmm. about other things, like just being a, um, a 23 year old living in the world that we're living in right now, right. As we're Mm -hmm. recording this, we are like seeing upheaval after upheaval in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you look out at the world that way, do you feel um a particular issue or group of people or is there is there something happening in the world in particular that makes you feel like I'm here to do something about that even if I don't know what it is? Like a, a like a cause or a social issue or mm-hmm.
0: Um, I would say probably inclusion. Um, making sure that inclusion and kind of ties to equality. Um, I mean, despite, yeah, despite you know, no matter like where you are, where you come from, I think everybody should be able to uh, have the same opportunity and be included, so that they can, you know do what they want to. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. I'd like to add something here, um, (laughs) because one of the things I'm noticing about Naveen is how humble he is. Because there's something, Amanda, that he hasn't said yet in this interview about how he set a historical record of being the first American-born student to graduate with a certification in Hindu religious studies to the knowledge level of a Hindu priest from a well-known religious university. So first time. So when you hear that, Amanda, what's your next question about uh, the gift that is coming through Naveen?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I'm always, um, I'm always wanting to honor that the messenger's voice is the most important voice and, when I hear you talk about, um, you know the the religious the religious scholar in you and um, looking out at the world and this conversation about equality and inclusion, one of the things that comes up for me—it's a big conversation in our home—is looking at you know this in our in our particular culture um, in the U.S there's this big conversation about where has the social fabric gone, right? Like the the immaterial stuff that connects everyone together. And for a very long time, it came out of the kind of fundamental Christian worldview, a religious foundation of, you know, all men are created equal, endowed by their creator, right? It had that, it has that Um, foundation to it and yet right we look at our culture and we see a lot of conflict we see a lot of um lack of meaning and um people you know like I mean Renee Beth probably knows all the statistics but you know the increases in suicide the increases in depression and anxiety like all of those things when I look out at the world I feel like Those are spiritual problems at the very, very core. Like, people don't know who we are, where we came from, why we're here. And without answers to those questions, looking at the world around you, why would you want to be here? Why would you want to feel anything going on in the world? You know, so I look at a 23 year old who's, you know, kind of got this deep understanding um, of spirituality. And um, understanding that meaning and being okay with, like, well, I don't know what it's gonna look like for me to be changing the world or making a difference. But you're centered right now in who you are, which allows you to, you know, respond to your environment and kind of those clues that come at you. So when I hear you talking about all these things, I think the generation that you're in um you know what they always say about like the millennials like the millennials are very focused on big social change and everything having to be done in a certain way like super high ideals reemerging through the millennials right and yet we have all of these high ideals without the spiritual undergirding understanding conversations happening in the homes in the churches in these different places so Just listening to all of that does that spark anything for you does it feel like you could be a voice there you'd want to be a voice there
0: definitely um I feel like what interests me is like you said bridging the gap between what's going on now and our lack of the knowledge of you know where we come from why we're here spiritual understanding
2: yeah Yeah, because I could see you, I mean, especially even having done the work that you've done just with the ancestry piece, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so much that even in my experience that as I've been working through my old stories and healing those things and learning about, you know, ancestry and epigenetics and how things are traumas are passed along through the DNA um, where there are things that I have heard and thought that make no sense for the lifetime that I'm living right now. And they're like echoes and so learning about my grandfather who barely escaped the bolshevik revolution and then came to this country and hid his identity from everyone including his own children until he had to move his own mother across the ocean and she told everyone who he was right like he hid his jewish heritage from his kids for all of that. And so to think about what does that mean for us, for, for me and my siblings, where like, what is a ceiling that we don't see in our dream of expressing our potential? And for me, that one of those is that it's in my, it's literally wired into my DNA to hide my identity because mm-hmm. it's not safe. Like if I don't, if I didn't know that I would be totally confused. Like, why do I have this big, you know, I could try to point to things in my, in my childhood, but like that level of fear makes no sense as I'm moving towards my full expression and moving against something that's wired in as hide it from everybody or cause it's unsafe. So when I think about like, what you've done and what's possible for people to, to help other young people kind of look at themselves inside of a hole, because there is that feeling of isolation, right? Like I might not feel, they might not feel connected to anyone or anything right now, but just by simply going through the tree and they could begin to develop some self-knowledge that might help them ground themselves in the here and now. Does that sound like something that you'd be interested in
0: definitely yeah this is it it, it feels like it feels like my what i'm feeling is kind of like, like being expressed now in a way that i or my interests and feelings are expressed in a way that i could never put together or make sense of so i think yeah this is definitely something i am interested in
1: exactly Well, you know, Naveen, when you applied to become a member of the Living the Potential Youth Network, one of the things that you mentioned is that you wanted to be able to encourage um, future generations to keep up with their traditions and to understand, you know, kind of that larger picture of who they are in time. Because if you think about it, we're making history right now and this year at the end of 2020. Um, there's a mentor of mine who says, we're moving from the empire era to the planetary era. And maybe we'll wake up to the idea that we're really not separate, that we we really are connected. And so I wanna just throw out a few questions here um, related to understanding potential and how to define potential. I wanna do kind of a rapid fire back and forth for you guys. So it's okay with you. how do you describe potential do you want to go first Amanda or Naveen you can flip a coin who wants to go first
2: <laughs> I can go first um potential for me is the stuff that we come with you know it's that it's the magic egg it's the it's the reason the purpose the dream that we're here for Naveen?
0: I would say Potential is probably that, that drive within you that that you're just not ready to express. Um, but it could, but you know that it could help the world. So I, I think um, that, that is a lot of potential for people who feel that way.
1: Absolutely. And we all have it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. all inside. Um, unfortunately, too many people are out there looking for it. You got to go inside and bring it out. So how about this question? What is your favorite way to pursue, embrace, engage, or unleash more of your individual
2: potential? You wanna go first, Amanda? Um, two things come to mind. The first one is community because I learn through every interaction. One of my professors in college said um, that if we could see, if we could see, actually see past the eyes into the into the soul we would be tempted to bow to each other and so i've tried to keep that awareness and conduct myself in that way um because i feel like that's what we're here for is to teach each other and have the wisdom emerge but the other thing for me is story the power of story in um and i love how that idea connects to this whole piece of you know, our religious roots and the stories that have come down through generations. To me, story teaches me every single time I listen to a song about a story or watch a movie or a television show. What about
1: you, mean
0: I would say networking. The more we talk to different people alike and um, dislike, then, and the more that we share about our experiences, then we hear stuff from them. And they hear stuff from us that kind of click and we realize that we have a lot more in common and we get ideas from one another to that, that we can just bounce off of each other and and discover interests that we never knew that we had, um, or ways that we can or ways that we can further our interests.
1: Yeah, but I hear you speak that way, and I hear it's like collaborative networking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of people out there networking, but they're not collaboratively, you know, they're not listening and engaging. So you've got a new dimension to your word there, I
0: think. Yeah, definitely. That, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Collaborative networking. That's perfect.
1: Which really brought you to Living the Potential in the first place is because you were looking for a way to have mentor matching within a trusted network. And ta-da, <laughs> had your wish. Mm-hmm. So oh, excited for you but you know have you had a favorite mentor I'm thinking about your research and uh, maybe people that have helped you along the way Naveen have you had a favorite mentor
0: um I've never had a really formal mentor but on the process or throughout the process I did meet um a few people and but um and they would all give me um You great advice and whatnot but i think this would probably um be be the first time trying to find a a more formal or not even formal just like a more mentorship structure yeah through this program
1: that's awesome what about you amanda have you had a, a mentor that supported you through your journey oh my god i have so many
2: of them um I, you know what, I'd say that my son, I've always said that my son is my greatest teacher. Um, and he does act a bit like a mentor because I've given him permission to <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to keep me accountable. Like, right. you know, this is how I want to conduct myself. Well, mom, you're not doing that right now. <laughs> you know? Thanks. Right. Thanks for pointing that out. So, right. and um, I think you're writing
1: a book together. Is that right? You're writing a book together with your son. We
2: are, we are writing a He's book now
1: together. 17. And, um, but this whole idea of engaging, um, the idea that wisdom knows no age. In other words, uh, we're talking to Naveen. He's an old soul. <laughs> I think Erin is an old soul. So for all of those of you that are listening to this podcast, um, Let's stop judging people by their age, shall we? <laughs> and listen to the wisdom that can come through. Um, Amanda, you know, you've worked with a lot of, you know, you've been my coach, and actually more than that, I would call you um, a, a soulful coordinator and operations support with the larger picture. I've never met anyone like you. Um, what qualities do you seek in, in people that you're mentoring or working with or your clients? Um, you know, what makes you consider that you would even want to work with them? And I feel so honored that you've chosen to work with me. What makes you decide that?
2: Um, the name of my business is true to intention because my highest innermost value is integrity. I feel like we, you know, we come here with something and it gets tarnished and damaged and splintered and, um, My work is about helping people to reintegrate and that requires high levels of integrity and accountability and just being willing to stay the course and do whatever it takes to become true to intention in their message, you know, on pages and stages, but also, and most importantly, inside, you know, the the people who leave without having done that work. I just, it wounds me. So. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, there's always more. It's like you reach a threshold and what I'm witnessing, mm-hmm. there's, oh, there's another story coming through. Yeah. It's a story that was happening while I was writing the story about something. And I, I, I'm listening to you talk to intervene as he's doing this research in his ancestry, but there's a story emerging for him that he hasn't yet told yet. Mm-hmm. That is the other essence of his journey that started when he was, thir- you know, seven years old, right? Mm-hmm. So there's another story that's coming through. And I would just say, um, being, you know, this is a question we love to ask people. What is the one thing that you wish you would have known, let's say, when you were younger? I mean, you're 23, but let's just say for the teenagers and the youth that are listening to this, what's the one thing that you, would, that you know now that you wish that you would have known a little earlier?
0: Um... I would say one thing that I wish I'd known earlier, make sure to use all of your uh, resources. um, I I, like to the, I guess like fullest potential because they might not always be there and that could be time um it could be opportunity um any of those things
1: in other words it sounds like don't take it for granted what's right in front yes. of you. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that happens a lot doesn't it um mm-hmm. witness like hey maybe i could really learn something here instead of fighting it that's great what about
2: you amanda is there something you wish that you would have learned younger when you were younger yes uh to trust my own feelings and my own voice and not let anyone question, challenge, or those.
1: Exactly. I would agree with that 100%. And here's of my final question for you. Um, when you look out to the future 100 years from now, let's say, I don't know, I'm not going to be here 100 years from now, but I don't think any of us are going to be here 100 years from now. But let's just say we're time travel, and it's 100 years into the future. <clears throat> what do you want people to say about you? Let's say maybe you've left this you've, you've ascended, you've moved on to the next place. Um, What do you want people to be saying about you? What is your legacy? Are you living it now? Or what is it that you want people to say about you? Once I answer that one first, it'll be our
2: final question. For me, I want, I just want people to see that I left everything that I had to give here, you know, in, in the currency of message and the currency of love and impact, you know, that people were better um, because they met me. Beautiful. How about you, Naveen?
0: Um, I would say a hundred years from now, I would want people to, I think of it as an inspiration.
1: Mm-hmm. that you inspired people
0: yes yeah inspire people to to go out and achieve their dreams
1: absolutely beautiful i just um it's been such an honor to have both of you here today and um i want to thank you um <clears throat> this podcast was inspired by living the potential uh, which is a community of change makers made up of parents, grandparents, educators, entrepreneurs, conscious business professionals, and many more. Um, we're all determined to engage the wisdom of youth to save our world. And uh, for those members, you have a Q&A session. Um, thank you for joining Living the Potential Network and our youth advisory network. It welcomes you. And uh, our next session we'll have another youth um, who's inspired to meet with their mentor but for today I'd like to just thank again Amanda Johnson uh, with your work Uh, you can find Amanda Johnson at uh, www.truetointention.com and uh, Naveen I appreciate you so much we can't wait to see what's next for you and uh, I think you found yourself a good mentor here as you had intended (laughs) when you came a part of um, we became a part of Living the Potential Network youth membership team. So thanks, everyone, for listening and for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.
0: I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and will join us for the next Bridging the Potential podcast. If you're interested in what we do here at Living the Potential Network, please visit our website, www.livingthepotential.com, and check out the first two chapters of Renee Betts' book, Living the Potential. Engaging the wisdom of our youth to save the world. Till next time.